Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So, Dan, you were telling me earlier before we got on the show that you're wearing pants today. (laughs) And I really do appreciate you wearing pants. For the record, I just mean that it's a little cooler here this morning. I'm wearing pants as opposed to shorts. I don't tend to podcast in my underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Well, I'm glad you you mentioned that because we are going to talk about the weather today. We have Katie Nicolau coming on the show a little later. You may have seen some of her videos on Twitter where she's giving you the weather from different planets within Star Trek and among some other franchises. So she'll tell us about that. So welcome everyone to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson with Dan Gunther. We're so glad to have you. Dan, are, are you cooled down now? Are you ready to start? Yeah, definitely ready to start. Uh, the weather is a little gloomy outside today here, so I'm happy to be inside podcasting with you. Got some rainy weather going on. Uh, clearly, I'm not as good at forecasting or reporting the weather as our guest is, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> maybe maybe she could tell us a little bit about real weather that we're experiencing now, because you know, where you are, it's like that. But where I am in Georgia, it's bright, sunny and warm outside right now. Nice. Yeah. We've had a good string of really warm days lately. So I, I guess we probably need the rain, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you do need that. It's like the spring showers bring, you know, summer great stuff, whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but And before we have Katie on, I just want to touch on a few things. I was looking online at some blogs and other things I was reading about Star Trek. And there's one thing that really kind of popped out to me today. And it's an article on inverse.com written by Ryan Britt. And it's titled Discovery Season 3 Could Eliminate Star Trek's Most Convenient Technology. And I thought, how could the future eliminate Discovery's technology? And so what he's talking about is the Universal Translator. And I thought it was a bit interesting because he was pointing out how in Discovery, we've seen some things now with the Universal Translator, how you hear a different language and then it's overlaid with what we're hearing as English. So we're hearing the translation happen. We've even heard that in Star Trek Beyond. And he points that out too. So it's something that's been alluded to in past Star Treks, but we've never really heard it in that manner. And we're starting to now. We're hearing the translation happen in real time. But here's what's interesting. He's saying, if you fast forward 900 plus years into the future and you're in the 31st century, would all of a sudden you get a disconnect with the translator because the language of Federation Standard would have changed over time. It has evolved. So it's not necessarily exactly the same language you heard and what you were used to in your century if you go into the future. It's like us going back 100, 200, 1,000 years into our past. That English isn't going to sound the way it does today. Mm -hmm. It's definitely an interesting idea. And, you know, it's one that, like, Star Trek, if it were perfectly 
accurate in this respect. It's something that they probably should have addressed before because, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation is 400 years beyond where it was made and all that kind of stuff. And the the English is pretty much the same, a little bit more formal maybe among the, the main characters on the show, but it's still the English that we're used to today. So this is definitely an issue that Star Trek hasn't really addressed before. You know, and I I don't know, I don't really see them doing it in Discovery Season 3, even though I think that would be an interesting tack for them to take. We've seen in the trailer, of course, the new character book played by David Ajala seems to be speaking in just regular English. Of course, to the point of this article, maybe that's translated. Maybe that's translated for Burnham's benefit. We're not sure. Yeah, and I think Ryan Brick kind of mentions that too in his write-up here that I don't know if he's necessarily expecting it to show that the translator's having a difficulty at first, but that it really would be interesting if they did go that route, because it would show the advancement of time of a translator trying to figure out and retranslate English into English again, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's evolved over time. But at the same time, I've always wanted to see more of that when they go visit strange new worlds, planets they've never been to, species and languages they've never dealt with before, the translator sometimes just magically knows a language of a new species they just met for the first time without a word being uttered. Yeah, Star Trek's been wildly inconsistent with it. It's like if it needs to be a plot point or needs to be something to slow down the plot a bit, they'll address that, but usually they don't. So for example, the Deep Space Nine episode Sanctuary They had the Screens come aboard Deep Space Nine, and for some reason, the Universal Translator took longer with their language than it usually does, which doesn't really play into the episode much later on, so I feel like it was just, oh, maybe the episode ran a little short, so they needed to have a bit of an extra hurdle to overcome. But usually, yeah, it's just this magical technology that seemingly reads the brainwave patterns of alien species and pretty much immediately translates their language, even if nobody on the ship or in the Federation has heard this language before. Star Trek is science fiction. It's not necessarily fantasy, but in a sense, there's some elements to it. Like we're saying, somehow the Universal Translator magically works. Because this is Star Trek and it's science fiction, do you think we need to get more of a technical explanation about the Universal Translator that we haven't gotten on the shows before? It's one of those things that I feel like they can play with a bit. For example, the Discovery episode, which is, I think, mentioned in this article as well, where the Universal Translator is malfunctioning and everybody starts speaking different languages. I love that scene. It's so great. Uh, I feel like you can do fun things with that with the translator, but as far as bogging it down with really trying to explore the innards of it and how it works and all that minutiae, I feel like maybe that ship has sailed a bit. This explanation would kind of be glaring in its absence in previous episodes if they suddenly had to start dealing with it more directly. Uh, And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some writer will come up with some amazing thing that makes it all make sense and fit perfectly. But for me, it's kind of one of those things that's an indelible part of Star Trek that it's just, yeah, it works. And uh, that's all we really have to say about it. (laughs) Well, I like how you're saying them playing with it, because I would like to see that maybe in something like Lower Decks. They could really have fun with the Universal Translator. And maybe it's like you've got 
two people on the serving on the same ship that speak different languages and the universal translator is getting their communication wrong and they're fighting with each other, even though they're actually agreeing and saying the same thing, but it's translating it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. That, see, some, something like that would be fun. Uh, I, I always wondered, just as a side note, the Voyager two-parter basics where the entire crew gets stranded on the surface of the planet by the Kazon and they steal Voyager and steal their communicators, which Janeway in a previous episode kind of established canonically. She pointed to her communicator and said, a universal translator allows us to communicate. So we know the translators are in the comm badges. They all get taken away. Kess and Neelix have done a really great job of learning English over the last uh, year and a half. It's amazing. Unaccented, just perfect English. All the Voyager crew members, no problem communicating. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that episode pointed out before about that issue, uh, that the commuters are all gone, but they all can still communicate. But we just sometimes have to just accept it, you know, and go on. And maybe there is a technical reason. Maybe... Maybe someone had small, maybe there's like a little small communicators in their pockets that aren't badges or so. I, I don't know. I'm stretching it here, right? We do know that the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine have universal translators embedded in their ears from the episode Little Green Men. So maybe something like that. Maybe they did that with Neelix and Kess. That could be, yeah. A little less room in there, but, you know, still possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything's possible. We just have to figure it out. That's all. So, well, there's some a couple of news items. There's not much going on uh, this week, Star Trek wise in the news. But I did want to point out, we mentioned a little earlier here about Lower Decks. You should be excited in Canada because you know when Lower Decks is coming on. Well, not when it's coming on, but you know where it's coming on. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. So uh, CTV, which is the uh, Bell Media Television Corporation here in Canada, tweeted about uh, basically their CTV home front presentations, which is kind of like their their version of the upfronts you might might hear about in the U.S. Uh, they announced that the animated series Star Trek Lower Decks is going to be on CTV Sci-Fi, so the former Space Channel here in Canada, and also on the Crave streaming service. So exactly the same way that Discovery and Picard have been presented in the past in Canada, they will be showing Lower Decks in that same manner. I'm really excited about this. The fact also that it's coming this year is great news. Uh, Kind of the first semi-official new announcement since the original announcement it would be coming this year. We didn't quite know with the delays, but it looks like it is definitely coming this year. I did tweet back to them about this and asked, you know, long shot question, but do we know anything about a specific date? And of course, nobody got back to me. So I didn't get a scoop on that, unfortunately, but they are coming this year. That's exciting. Yes. I, Lower Decks, sometime this year, we just don't know when. You know where where to watch it there in Canada. I know where to watch it here in the United States. I don't know if we've got any information for other countries at this point. I know CBS International is distributing it, but I don't know if they have confirmed a distributor yet. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Presumably, it would be either Netflix or Amazon. Uh, Hopefully not yet a third (laughs) streaming service on top of those two it's yeah internationally it's been uh usually late in coming with the news for where these things are dropping so hopefully we find that out soon as well for all of our international listeners yes absolutely it it will come just we hope 
to find out where it's going to show up for everybody so we can all watch it. And hopefully we can all see it the same day and not have this lag of people having to wait days later or something. And like the short treks, you know, in some countries they had to wait until it came out on Blu-ray for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's still lots of people outside of, you know, the UK and North America that are still waiting on short treks <laughs> unless they're buying their Blu-rays from somewhere overseas. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. But you would think with the internet and everything, it just everybody could have it at the same time. But there's all these weird distribution licensing things that go on. Believe me, I deal with it in my day job. So it's just, there's a lot of that that makes it very complicated. So it's not as easy as just, oh, just put it out for everybody to watch internationally. It's just, unfortunately, not that easy. But um, speaking of the world, I love how the world always joins together at Star Trek Las Vegas every year. And of course, we talked about that's been moved to December of this year because of COVID-19. Well, they just announced that tickets are now available. If you had tickets from the previous date, which was August, those tickets would still be valid. Those move over. But there are some people that can't make it in December who or have elected just they didn't want to attend maybe because of COVID-19. And so some of these uh, levels of membership to attend have opened up like the gold level, which is freaking $12.99. I don't mean $12.99. I mean $1,299, practically $1,300. So some people are not attending that. That was sold out before, but now some of that gold is available. And I like that it's called gold because it almost costs gold to get that level of membership. I feel like it should be called latinum at this point because yeah, <laughs> it should. It's crazy. That is yeah, the the price is definitely pretty high. It's a great show. I mean, 5 days. Uh, yeah, the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas is always a great time, but wow, that that is priced way out of my price range. Uh, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a premium ticket for for some people out there, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Now, I don't want people to freak out if you're not that familiar with STLV and think, wow, it it costs $1,300 to go. No, that's like the real premium. That's, you've got prime seating, you're all kinds of stuff that comes with it. But the general admission for the whole five days, I think it's five days, it's usually about five days, it's $330. Still, that's not cheap, but that is the general mission. There's another level a little above that called the copper, which is four thirty nine. But yeah, the lowest is three thirty. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, that's still not cheap. No, it's definitely it's definitely gone up in and since previous years. I remember when I was first attending, I got the captain's chair, which is the one step down from gold, and I think that was about three hundred dollars at the time. Uh, it was shorter at the time. I think it was only three days then. So, you know, it's a bigger event now. There's usually a lot more guests than there were in the past. But yeah, it's it's a pricey ticket. I'm, I'm curious what it's going to be like in December. I've never been to Vegas in December. And uh, I'm unfortunately not going to be able to make it this year. But uh, I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting change for at least this year's convention. We'll see going forward. Yeah, uh, that time of year, it there's times it can be cold and sometimes it can be pretty warm. I mean, sometimes you just don't know in, in Vegas. I typically go to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, in January. 
And sometimes the weather's very cool, sometimes cold, and again, sometimes it's hot. But uh, I don't know if I'm going this year or not either. I, I just kind of want to see how things go with COVID-19, if I feel comfortable enough going. But, you know, we say about $330. It's not that bad. It's $66 a day. And for $66, what I get out of a day there is definitely worth it. So yeah. it's, still a good, it's still a good bargain. It's still a good deal. But that is uh, in Vegas on December 9th through 13th. Yeah. And of course, it's at the brand new Caesars Forum Conference Center connected to Harrah's Las Vegas. So a change of venue for the convention as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, they're saying the rooms are just a little more expensive than the Rio. So Hmm. but I think they're also nicer from what I understand. I don't know. Maybe Katie can help us with the weather in in Las Vegas. Uh, She doesn't work at a TV station in Las Vegas, but she might know if uh, she's going to give us a forecast if it's going to be cold or hot at STLV this year. So yeah, I want to welcome Katie Nicola to the show. Katie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's really exciting to have you on. I love watching your Star Trek forecasts, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean, I saw this months ago and I was just like, wait a second. I see someone in a Starfleet uniform doing the weather forecast for Ryza. What is going on here right now? I'm pretty sure that's what everyone else was thinking too. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just curious, like, Okay, first of all, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, because you are a meteorologist, correct? I am, yes. It's pretty much been my life path since I was four. I started out as a little kid, was almost in a tornado, absolutely loved it when everyone else was afraid, and just like, this is what I'm going to do now. So I've known this is what I was going to do for a long time, and I've gone to college for it, got the degree. I'm a broadcast meteorologist in Sioux City, Iowa, but I also chase tornadoes, and it's my favorite thing in the world. I wouldn't change it for anything. Oh, that's amazing. Wow, chase tornado! You've actually chased tornadoes? Yeah, I've spent about 46-ish days out in the Great Plains just chasing. Um, I've seen, there was an EF4 tornado, which is the out of a zero to five scale, pretty big. In Lawrence, Kansas, we were about a mile away from it. And it was just the coolest thing. My professor was not as excited. I was. He was like, you need to go faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's dangerous. You got to be careful out there. Oh, yes. Well, because like the thing is, tornadoes, everyone thinks the tornadoes are the worst part of the storm. No, it's the lightning that scares me. <laughs> oh, I was wow. almost blown up by lightning, actually. Uh, it was a positive bolt, which is about 10 times stronger than a normal bolt. Sciency. But it, uh, it actually exploded the road in front of us and left a divot. And it was just. Oh, scared me to death. Wow. Isn't one of the other most dangerous things about not necessarily being in the tornado, but near it is the debris that's flying around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's near a larger tornado, it can pick up bricks. It can pick up trees, cars. It's picked up trains before, full on houses. Uh, Like that scene from Twister where the house just rolls across the road feasibly could happen. So (laughs) the debris definitely is a problem. I was I was about to ask, and I'm sure it's a question you've gotten a million times, not at all original, but like, so Twister, is is that pretty accurate to how that, what that's like? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, kind of. <laughs> well, kind of. It has the chaotic energy of it all, but there's a lot less romance and a lot more, ooh, ah, look at that storm. Uh, but yeah, the tornadoes, they got them. 
relatively right. <laughs> I, I've probably seen that movie more times than I can count. I bet, yeah. <laughs> when they were talking about rebooting it, it was all over Twitter the past few days. I'm like, hire me, hire me, hire me. <laughs> <laughs> I will work for free. I actually sent an email to Universal. I was like, I will work for free as a consulting meteorologist. I want this one to be right. <laughs> Oh, wow. That would be cool. And maybe they can even put you in the movie. Maybe you're like one of these people that fly by through the I tornado. I would love to. Just put me on a harness and fling me into a storm. I'm okay with that. Okay. So we obviously know that you love weather. You're a meteorologist. You're all about the weather. But then there's another thing you love. You're into Star Trek and other franchises. So you were able to put the two together. Oh, yes. This is something... I kind of was joking around with the people on our morning crew. We, we're a small crew in the morning, so I can pretty much get away with stuff. And like, what if, what if I did a Star Trek forecast? Because no one's done that before. And they're like, well, what would you talk about? I'm like, oh, here we go. We got Kronos. We got Ryza. We have Vulcan. We can do all this stuff. And they're just kind of stepping back like, we opened up a Pandora, Pandora's box of geekdom and uh, just kind of spent probably a couple weeks just putting it all together because I built all the graphics I researched I had to make sure the units were correct like kph miles per hour whatever it was and um I just like this is this is gonna happen and I didn't think it would blow up the way it did I thought people would see it and be like oh my gosh look at that meteorologist she's lost it but no they're like oh my gosh look at that meteorologist she's awesome oh my gosh I'm being called awesome that's great so they were really supportive of you doing this Oh, yeah. Everyone on our crew, I think they just kind of accept the way that meteorologists are, which is we basically don't have a filter. We just do what we do and love it. And uh, that, that, that merges perfectly with Star Trek. So I'm super passionate about Star Trek, super passionate about the weather. It just it, it was meant to be. Oh, that's amazing. I, yeah, I, I love that original video. And your, your passion is just exuded through that video. I, I remember first watching it and I'm like, oh, degrees Celsius. Is she Canadian? And then, oh no, wait, of course it's Star Trek. It would be Celsius. Yeah. So I love that little attention to detail there too. That's great. Yeah. When, when you get up at two in the morning, you have a lot of time to just spend with details and trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. Cause you're in Sioux City. Tell us about where you work and why you get up at two in the morning. Yeah. So Sioux City, it is right in that tri-state between Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota, which is perfect for tornado chasing. And that's actually why I came out here. I got the morning job and I thought to myself, okay, usually you start out as a weekender. This is a pretty big job. And I get here, I'm like, oh, I was not expecting this. Morning shows go from 5 to 7 a.m. You have to get up early to make your forecast. Like I go through, a lot of people don't understand, like you think you just go on weather.com and copy the information. No, no, no. You build your own forecast and that takes hours. And also you have hair and makeup. I have Greek curly hair. This does not happen naturally uh, to have straight hair. And so yeah, to build up all that extra time in the morning. So 2 a.m. is just the number I shot for and it's been working ever since. So then how long did it take you to put together the Star Trek forecast? Oh man, that one from the first time I actually verbalized it to the crew and said, guys, we're going to do this to actually getting it done. It was probably around a month. Uh, amount of oh, time wow. spent working on it was probably about like two ish weeks, uh, getting all the data and the graphics all built in in the free time, but also had to wait for the uniform to arrive. Yeah, I was going to ask about the uniform. Do you cosplay, but or you've got this just for the forecast? Oh, I cosplay. I hardcore <laughs> cosplay. I uh, 
I'm actually working on a couple cosplays right now, but I've built a full-on replica Lego man costume out of cardboard that oh, I can wow. walk in and everything. Based off of the original patent, like I I love to build and make things. And uh, the only thing I haven't mastered is the sewing machine, which is why I had to order in the costume. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm hoping to use it at a few cons when they come back. Yeah, well, it's a science division uniform, which makes sense because you're into science. Oh, yes, that little attention to detail. Like you said, it's everything has to be perfect. So what has been the response online from your videos? It's been insane. Um, Because I did, I have the Star Trek one, I did a Star Wars one, I've done... Oh, good heavens, I did a Pokemon one, a Good Omens one, all of that. And sometimes the actors who are in the shows see it. I think uh, Jerry Ryan, Brent Spiner saw the Star Trek one. Um, Mark Hamill saw the Star Wars one, which I was kind of like, oh, because it was at Thanksgiving when that came out. And I was at the dinner table with my family when I saw that he tweeted me. And I actually dropped my phone on my plate. I was like, guys, guys, guys. And um, oh, it was just... Everyone's been so supportive. I have not gotten a single negative comment, which being in the media, being a meteorologist, you always get the comments like, oh, wow, you were so wrong with the forecast. Or uh, my favorite comment didn't happen to me, happened to another meteorologist. They said, wow, you look like a naked mole rat. And it's like, holy cow, people can be brutal. But no one said anything. No one said, wow, you're too geeky for your own good. Although I am. Everyone's just been so great. Like you are doing what you love. You're being so passionate. You make me smile. And that's the whole point of me doing this is to make myself smile and to make other people happy. Oh, that's really cool. And, and yeah, that enthusiasm really shows. Uh, I think the most surprising thing for me was the temperature swings on Kronos. I had no idea that, you know, it feels like Northern Alberta there almost. It's crazy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Because like I look at the planets and I look at their, I actually looked at the tilt of their axis and just on the planetary maps and everything that fans have drawn up, and it just kind of assumed based on Earth how that would turn out, wow. and it just kind of flew together like that. I, <laughs> I had so much fun doing this, too much fun honestly, trying to be the scientist for different planets that don't even exist. <laughs> well, I love that because I, I feel like somebody could just kind of throw something together and, and dress it up in, in the Star Trek look and feel, but you actually really dug in and really did a lot of the groundwork and research behind it. Like that's incredible. Oh, thank you. I figure if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Star Trek has helped me to become the person I am today. Back in middle school, I actually couldn't even get on the stage to do a band concert. And it was like I had horrible stage fright and now I'm on television. So uh, the, that metamorphosis actually happened because I found Star Trek and it helped me deal with anxiety. So honestly, this is because of Star Trek. So when you're dealing with your anxiety and you think of Star Trek, what is it that you're thinking about that you're getting from Star Trek to get, overcome that? Yeah, so what I usually think about is how they think. The, the scientific basis of Star Trek, the logical, yes, logical, aspect of it, it makes you actually think, okay, this is happening, why is it happening? Whereas with anxiety, you're kind of like, I feel this and I hate this. You don't really think about why is this happening? And so that got my brain onto a sidetrack thinking, wait a second, okay, my heart is beating out of my chest, I'm having anxiety about that, but I'm one, young, two, healthy. It's not a heart attack. I don't need to be worried. I think it's just my anxiety causing it to do that so I can stop it. And it just kind of sounds weird, but I just stopped it. And ever since then, I've just thought logically about any sort of situation and it 
I just don't get anxious anymore. I, I like when you said logically, because I was going to say, do you sometimes think, well, if I were Vulcan, I wouldn't be feeling this. So just try to suppress my emotions. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of like a hybrid between humans and Vulcans, almost kind of like Spock. You still have that emotional aspect, but you're you're using that logic to help direct your emotion the way you want it to go rather than this going down into this pit of despair like oh i don't want to go there but i'm going down anyway no 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 you you pull the brakes and you say wait a second there's a side track here let's go to the side track and avoid that how long have you been a star trek fan what kind of brought you into the fandom oh yes i have been a fan since oh my gosh when was middle school uh, I think it was 2010, 20, yeah, maybe 2008. It was right around the JJ reboot. And uh, I was actually, it was, I was staying up way too late one night. My dad was watching Star Trek and I walked in like, hmm. It was uh, the TNG episode Gambit, part one. And part two was on next. And I just walked into the room and I just see Picard and he's just like undercover. I'm like, who's that guy? And my dad's like, it's Star Trek. Do you want to watch? I'm like, I can stay up later, sure. And so I ended up watching both episodes. And I distinctly remember going to get an oil change in the car with my mom and my brother the next day and being like, there's this guy. And his name's, I think it's Pickard, Picard, something. And he has this dude with an R name and he's cool and he's kind of cute. And this is just a great show. And it just, it, it all went downhill from there. I just watched every episode. I've seen every episode of Star Trek at least twice. It's a great show. I love it so much. As you guys know, it's a great show. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. And obviously you like the new stuff too, because when I saw your forecast for Star Trek, you ended promoting the idea that, hey, Star Trek Picard's coming on. <laughs> oh, yes. See, that's the thing with me is I am the perpetual optimist. I always will be. And I honestly love everything Star Trek. You can nitpick it all you want, but even if you nitpick it for the bad, you can nitpick it for the good. And there's so much good. Like, I, I grew up after, well, watching television pretty much after Enterprise. And so there was a gap where Star Trek just didn't exist. And so I'm just grateful that there's stuff now. Oh, and yeah. uh, then it just keeps building on that. I'm like, holy cow, we have Star Trek Discovery. We have Picard. We have Lower Decks. We have all these new shows coming out. And I'm just, I'm like a kid in a candy store. So are we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want all the flavors. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, I think, with like Picard and uh, Discovery, and with uh, strange or new worlds, um, oh gosh, I think I got that yeah, name wrong. Strange new anyway, worlds, yeah. Strange new worlds, yeah. Like they could try new different things. They are trying different like ways of presenting Star Trek, and I think they're kind of branching out, seeing what the fandom likes and what what putting out feelers and seeing what we react to. And so this is just kind of like a transitional period to a new age of Trek, in my opinion. So you're doing a good job pitching, you know, the idea of Star Trek is so cool to watch and everything. And it's good because you're a CBS affiliate. So it's not like they can give you any crap for that. You know, you promote <laughs> their properties here. When when Star Trek Picard came out, we had a segment called Sunrise Eye on Entertainment. And they uh, they showed a trailer for Picard. And I still had my Star Trek uniform in the back from when I did the, the Phantom Forecast. And I looked at my producer and I was like, I'm going to put that on. So when we come back, I'm in my uniform. So I run back and I grab the uniform and they come back to me on the couch. I'm just like, you can tell I'm excited for this, can't you? And I just have my Starfleet uniform on at 5.30 in the morning. And it's just, it's so great because they're like, it's a CBS property. You can do whatever you want. Is there a particular thing coming up that you're most excited for with regards to Star Trek? Or just kind of all of it? Strange New Worlds, honestly. Because I, in season two of Disco, I fell in love with Pike 
Holy yes, cow. absolutely. I was not prepared for how great that character would become. I easily shot up to my top five list. And I don't know if it's just because he's relatable or because he's so, he, he embodies things that I want to be. And that's another thing that Star Trek is, is like, you can look at these people and say, I want to be like this, or I want to be logical like Spock, but I want to show caring and emotion like McCoy. And you can pull in those aspects and make them who you are. So this show literally shapes who I am. And Pike is now a huge part of that. So I'm just so excited to see more of that. Yeah, if it's one thing Star Trek's been amazing at in all of its 50 plus years is providing role models. And I think Pike is an incredible role model. Oh, yes. And also with role models, Captain Janeway, I just have to do a shout out for her. Holy cow. You would be surprised at how many meteorologists, male and female, just love Janeway. Um, It's the, the amount of meteorologists who are Star Trek nerds are fantastic. Like we have a group. Um, that we talk with uh, digitally. And one time someone put on a, a picture of a supercell thunderstorm that looked like the Enterprise that we all came out of the woodworks and we're just commenting like gifts of Picard and everything. It is just, it's great. I'm just trying to picture people in the control room rolling their eyes and like, oh, these geeks. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's that's the best part about mine is like my control room's full of geeks too. We oh, have good. people who play D&D. We have people who watch DuckTales like I do as well. But it's like, it's, it's awesome. We're all geeks. I saw your DuckTales forecast and that one you really were having fun with the green screen and digging through all your props. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that one I loved because... Um, Honestly, part of DuckTales, the new reboot, feels like Star Trek a little bit because I spent some time in space and it was really beautifully put together. And I just, I was like, you know what? People like these. I'm just going to go full on Katie and see if they can handle that. And apparently they can. So do you have any new ideas that you want to try on your uh, Twitter feed? Oh, I have. Actually, I have a couple of fandom forecasts in the works. I'm waiting for the costume to come in, but I'm going to do a Doctor Who one because that is my new favorite, like, new show that I'm on right now. And also, later on this week, I'm filming a Hamilton fandom forecast because Hamilton's coming out on Disney+. And I actually reached out to our uh, theater group here um, in Sioux City, and they lent me a costume that looks exactly like the one Hamilton wears. And so I am going to go. It's going to be so good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're tent pulling that one. I think you're going to get some good views on that. That's cool. Yes. (laughs) I'm hoping as long as uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda can see it, that'll be great. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah I'm sure absolutely. there'll be people lining up to tag him in, in replies to that tweet for sure. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> I can, oh, I have a list going on. It's like Mark Hamill, Brent Spiner, Jerry Ryan, Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> well, now if Lynn wants to watch these videos, anybody else, where can people find them? Yeah. So I post them on my Twitter. Uh, it's just at weather underscore Katie. Not sure how I got that handle because I thought it would be taken. Uh, but I, I'm on Twitter. And then I also do a specific fandom forecast Twitter. If you don't want Sioux City, I will weather. Uh, and that's uh, fan, at fan, forecast underscore fandom. There we go. And it's also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called So Many Fandoms. It's the one that has less subscribers than the other So Many Fandoms that I didn't know existed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, people can find it there or just Google Fandom Forecast. I'm the only one doing them. So. And on Twitter, yeah. So the hashtag is hashtag Fandom Forecast. And you yep. should be able to find them easily with, all, with that as well. So 
Oh, yes. And you should be able to see people's reactions to them as well, which has been pretty great. Yeah, I know. I, I, I just think they're really cool. I had to show my wife the other day. I said, watch this, watch this, because Katie's coming on the show. You haven't seen this yet. And she loved it. Oh, <laughs> oh well, thank you. <laughs> I, I figure as long as people enjoy it, I'm going to keep on doing them. I might even, I'm probably going to do another Star Trek one when the new shows come out. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to that too, for sure. A strange new weather forecast. And there's the title. We have the title for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us. I I think this is great. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I mean, you know, it's... Oh, by the way, speaking of weather, Dan is in Alberta, Canada. He says it's kind of cold and gloomy or whatever today. And I'm in Georgia. It's sunny and and warm. Uh, What's the forecast? (laughs) Well... We're looking right now at that Saharan dust cloud, which is coming over the Atlantic, made its way into the southeastern United States, keeping you mostly dry. Heading up towards Alberta, it looks like we're seeing the top of a ridge that's going to be training over some clouds and more rain for the next few days. But then that should be pushed out by a trough that'll bring in some cooler temperatures and some summer relief. Wow. All right. Thank you, Katie, for that forecast. We really appreciate that. We'll be back after these messages with Dan Gunther with your sports update. (laughs) No. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, everybody, you know where to find Katie. You can find me online at Admiral underscore Rex on Twitter and Dan. You can find me at Kurtrats, K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. That's just Star Trek backwards. And uh, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Productions. All right. And we'll see you guys next week. And we'll be checking out the forecast with Katie. Bye, Katie. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.